Hey, listeners, Troy here. Thank you so much for joining us for this week's podcast. Before we get to the episode, just want to give you a quick update on some things we got coming up right away. On Sunday, March 27th, we have our latest AC Literary Expedition, where we look at George Orwell's book, 1984. Are George Orwell's warnings going unheeded? Well, join us online to discuss the themes from a work that is sure to make you think. And in the same weekend, we are having our first ever leadership summit out at Sasquatch Mountain, BC. This is an application process, so make sure you apply to join us on this new initiative where we seek to empower, equip, and engage young Christian leaders. It's going to be a great opportunity, and yes, spots are filling up quickly. We will have a cutoff, so make sure you apply today to make sure you get a fair opportunity to join us on that weekend. Lastly, we want to thank you one more time for those that joined us for the branded film premiere. It was such a great time to be able to show people episode one of our video series. Make sure you stay tuned, especially for those that applied or registered online but didn't get a chance to tune in. You will be receiving an email from us very soon to fill you in on what you might have missed. That's all for me. Now for the podcast. Hello and welcome to the AC Podcast. My name is Troy. I am joined today uh, with Wesley, and we have a special guest all the way from Toronto. And it, it is not it is not Wes, even though we are grateful for him. Uh, we have John Franklin from Imago Arts and Crossings joining us this morning. How are you doing? Very well, indeed. Thank you, Troy, and pleased to be with you. Yeah, it's it's great to have you, uh, Wes. How how are you feeling today, man? Now you got you got some Toronto. Uh, back up this morning, so I, I I won't make any jokes of mispronouncing how you say it. <laughs> yeah, that's that's good. We're uh, we're more uh, balanced on one side than the other this time. It's usually the the West Coasters and and Wes, and now <laughs> it's uh, I got I got some some backup. That's right. That's right. You, you're you're all set now. So, to, listeners, just to give you a bit of a background on who John Franklin is. John is the executive director of Imago, an initiative in support of Christians in the arts in Canada. He is based in Toronto, and before joining Imago in 1998, he taught philosophy at Tyndale College, an adjunct professor in theology at Tyndale Seminary and Trinity College at the Toronto School of Theology. His special interest in theology and the arts. He has served on the board of Lausanne Movement Canada for 13 years and is coordinator of the World Evangelical Alliance Mission Commission's Task Force on Art in Mission. John is a writer and contributor of papers to, conver to conversations in the space of the arts and spirituality. So, John, thank you so much again for, for joining us this morning. Pleased to be with you. Thank you. John, I do have to ask, when did you teach uh, philosophy at Tyndale? Uh, 1972 to 1997. Uh, okay. A little bit before my time. <laughs> of course. <laughs> I'm a graduate of Tyndale and, uh, um, know the, the guys who are currently doing the philosophy there very well. So, uh, I had a different take on it, I think, than some of them. I'm a, I'm a little more in the continental tradition than the analytic tradition, but never mind that. And I was the yeah, sole philosopher in, in the years I was there. Uh, there wasn't anyone else, but, uh, they've expanded subsequently. Pioneer. Yes. Yeah. That's awesome. So today we're wanting to talk specifically with John about a basically a an art ex exhibition that is going on in Toronto right now from March 2nd to April 14th called Crossings, Stations of the Cross. It's a journey to Easter. Crossings, a journey to Easter is an all outdoor exhibition featuring 16 art pieces depicting the scripture Stations of the Cross. Set at sites throughout downtown and midtown Toronto, Crossings draws upon 
the centuries-old Christian spiritual practice of walking and praying the path that Jesus took on his way to the cross. In this exhibit, the stations are captured through sacred art pieces expressing the dramatic moments of Jesus's final hours. This sounds so cool and really, really epic. I would love to just hear, like, how did how did this come about? Like, where did this start? Well, yeah, Troy, it's a good question. Um, the um, the first uh, instance of this was in London, England, um, and it was launched by a, um, a scholar in uh, art and religion by the name of Aaron Rosen. Uh, Aaron Rosen is of Jewish faith, and interestingly, he wanted to do something on the uh, the Stations of the Cross, which, of course, are much more Christian and, in this case, Catholic. But anyway, it, the first one was in uh, 2016, and then it, it went over to Washington, D.C., and then uh, New York, then Amsterdam, and a small town in uh, smaller town in, in Holland. And then it was online, and now it's in Toronto. And just to be clear, each exhibition has its own selection of artworks. Oh, so wow. the Canadian one has a distinctive list of Canadian artists that are, are participating in it. And let me add one other thing here, that um, those who know anything about the Stations of the Cross will know that, that the traditional stations uh, are, are the ones that are most widely uh, known and practiced. But there is also a more recent version uh, set out by John Paul II in 1991 called the Scriptural Stations of the Cross. The traditional stations, not all of them have a scriptural text to support the, uh, the, the particular station. Uh, whereas in the scriptural stations of the cross, every station has a biblical text accompanying it. Uh, my area of expertise, John, is in, in church history. And so uh, some, of, some of the history behind the stations of the cross, um, I've actually taught on. And uh, so how many does, does the exhibition have? Well, uh, that needs a little explanation. So the, the uh, scriptural stations of the cross, there are 14. Right. But yeah. we, uh, we, we had the um, chutzpah, I guess, to add two. So we, we've got triumphal entry, uh, Palm Sunday, and we have resurrection. Mm. Sometimes resurrection is included in stations, but not, not very often, rarely. So we've preserved the integrity of the numbering, 1 to 14, and we called uh, the uh, uh, triumphal entry, we've called Alpha, and resurrection we name Omega. So the beginning and the end. Oh, okay. 16 stations in Toronto. Yeah. Historically, there have been anywhere between five and 30. That's correct. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It was actually in, um, uh, I believe, 17, the 1730s, Pope Clement XII, he fixed the number. So you're not maybe that crazy uh, to, <laughs> to, 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 to tinker with. And traditionally, it was only a Franciscan who was allowed to dictate who uh, could use the Stations of the Cross. Um, but that was that was changed in the the 1850s. Yeah, when, well, the, the Franciscans were very important in terms of their uh, involvement in the Holy Land and uh, overseeing the uh, uh, well people who would visit the Holy Land, and then of course bringing stations into the local church. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, that's great. So I guess more on the art portion of this. So each of these these different stations, does it all follow one sort of artistic style or are they all like intentionally done with different components? Yeah, yeah. Um, in, in planning this, I, I was quite intentional about wanting diversity of style. Mm. Um, so um, we have everything from a wire sculpture at the um, triumphal entry to um, a painting paintings um, with with many of the the stations, but also 
a bronze sculpture with with the acrylic uh, on the shoulders of Jesus. Uh, we have photography. Uh, we we have uh, we have one video piece, um, Simon of Cyrene. So and and um, quite a, quite a diversity. I mean, there there are no two two stations that are much alike in terms of their style. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm interested in the name crossings. Um, I'm I'm sure there was a lot of thought that went behind that, and it being particularly in Toronto, uh, you know, such an incredibly diverse ethnically and linguistically and. And um, uh, of course, you know, I'm, I'm sure you, you probably know, John, that the Mohawk word meaning uh, uh, something to do with a connection between, you know, where the trees and the water meet. How much of that went into the origin of, you know, bringing all those things together? Well, in fact, it, it did. It did come into the uh, the idea around the, the title. Um, it just for example, I, I just tell you that in Amsterdam, the, the title of the exhibition was Troubled Waters. And of course, that fits Amsterdam, right? I mean, they're below sea level and they, they've got a history with that. Crossings, as you point out, uh, Wesley, um, is the, um, the Huron word for meeting place. And uh, of course, also Toronto is the most multicultural city in the world. So we were thinking of what can we name this that captures that? And uh, we we considered a number of names, but this one just sort of jumped out and seemed to be so succinct and to the point. So crossings has to do with crossings or intersections of ethnicities, races, uh, worldviews, cultures, uh, spiritualities. And, and then, of course, there, there's the, the crossings that happen when you walk stations because you meet people. Mm. And and you have conversation with them, and um, you you can go on and and multiply the the possibilities for crossings, and of course it, it alludes to the cross as well. Mm. So really- it's we thought it it sort of captured what we were about here in Toronto. That's really cool. So I see that you have about it looks like there's about sixteen different artists. So how did how did that come about? Did they did they submit to enter a piece? Did you seek them out with your team? I, I, I sought them out. There is one I should note that um, one, one of the artists is deceased, and I selected his work. His name is Ovid Baghetti. Uh, he's a First Nations artist uh, influenced by uh, the very well-known um, um, Norval Morisot. It's a woodland kind of piece in terms of its style, and, and uh, Ovid's piece is called um, Injustice for the Just. It's Jesus Before Pilate. Mm. I selected that, but all the other artists are living artists, um, most of whom I knew in advance, but not all of them. I met some of them along the way. We would have conversation. I would talk with them about what we're doing. And if it seemed to be a good fit, then we assigned them. Well, we, we invited them to select a station as there were <laughs> some selection available. That's, That's cool. how it happened. Yeah. Nice. So you've you've known them. You've made contact with them. Yeah. Would the the pieces that they make what 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 would be the scale of time that sort of thing from the point of contact to to them actually having it ready for the event? It's a good it's a good question, Troy. Uh, for some of them, it would have been maybe a year and a half or so. Uh, for others, it might have been uh, three or four months. There were a couple. We I mean, there are always glitches with a, a project of this this magnitude, right? And so a couple of people had to pull out for for personal reasons. Uh, and so we had to find backup for that. And so there are a, a 
a few of the artists didn't have so much advance notice, but they all delivered in uh, in good time. Wow, and uh, again, we were we were looking for diversity as best we could. You're you're a brave man, because <laughs> because I'm a I'm a music artist, and so I'll sometimes be asking someone to send me their vocals for just a for just a song, and that could take up to six months sometimes, let alone making a a sculpture. But I I just love the the intentionality for the diversity of art. I mean. It just it just speaks to the nature of the kingdom of God, you know that that diversity of the diversity of people, and also I think this is one component for me if I was ever doing something like this that would be really interesting to see how people depict something. Was there um, out of out of all of the the different art pieces, was there any of them? You don't have to name names or anything like that, but uh, was there any scenarios where you kind of saw a piece and were like, "This is a stretch." <laughs> yeah, or, there, there, there were there were two or three of them like that. Oh, really? Yeah, but but when I when I took time with it, mm. I was able to enter in and discover it in 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 a in a good way in a good yeah. way. Uh, so, um, but I, I think we have worked hard to make as best we could the links between the biblical text, the story, the narrative, and 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 the artwork. And I should just add here, uh, lest I forget, that in our catalog, uh, we also have uh, commissioned 16 poets to write poetry. Wow, that's really cool. If you link on the QR code um, that's on our guide, and I'm happy to send you a digital copy of the guide, the QR code will lead you to uh, each of the stations. You will have a bio of the artist. You'll have an artist statement. Uh, you'll have the biblical text. And then you'll have the poem that goes with it, that particular station that is in the catalog. And then if you click above the, um, the, the poem, you'll have a video of the poet reading their poem. Mm, that's so all really, of that really is cool. available through the, uh, through the QR code. That's really, really cool. Yeah. This is, this is a really, really cool exhibition. Just hearing about it. I really wish that there was a way that I could, <laughs> that I could just get there and go, go see it. Has there ever, ever been talk of potential, like, planting in other cities expansion in some capacity or do you want to keep this primarily a toronto well it, it's it, each each one that has been done in this series um and by the way this will be archived on a website in the um at wesley college in washington dc all of the uh, the, the stations that uh, the um uh, the exhibitions that have been done under this art stations series we are archived there. Oh, okay. This one will be archived there as well. But I mean, we do have a digital version of of the catalog, uh, which would have all the meditations, the reflections, and and the poems and the uh, and the visual art. So um, that's eventually going to be available to everyone. Very cool. Very cool. I'm really compelled by art in different in different forms, and so seeing something like this. Um, as, as I said before, it's such a great, great communicator for, for the gospel, right? And, and, it is. And, yeah. and especially in a city as diverse as, as Toronto, how, how have you seen, or maybe you have a specific story how, of how it's maybe impacted someone who was not of the faith that, that came to the, the exhibition? Like, have there been any really cool stories of just how this has been, because it is an evangelistic tool, right? It can um, be. It can yeah. be. I mean, it's much, much more than that. But, but mm. it, it certainly can be that as well. It has a deeply missional component to it. But, but um, I, I, I like to say that in addition to this being a religious story, 
story of redemption, it is also a deeply human story. Mm. Because it, it addresses things like unjust judgment, betrayal. We have a First Nations artist who has done a, a painting um, of her experience of, of betrayal. Uh, we, we, it, it, vulnerability, suffering, all of that comes into this, this Jesus narrative. And, and yet uh, it, it also includes uh, hope and love. Yeah. So these two things are not incompatible. That is the suffering and the injustice, and then the hope and love comes to somehow bring meaning in the midst of all of that darkness, bring light, if you like, to the darkness. I don't have uh, stories at the moment. There's a lot of, uh, it's only been open, well, less than a week. Right. I mean, I, I'm hearing things from people who are absolutely loving it uh, and, and, and finding it very significant for them. Um, and um, some of them, it's it's one piece or two pieces that speak to them in a, in a profound way, and others, it's it's a different one or different different pieces. So I, I expect there's going to be lots of stories rolling out in the days ahead. Mm-hmm. But we've made it very clear that this is for anyone who is interested in, well, the human story, interested in art, interested in spirituality, or indeed. Anyone who is a devotee of Jesus and is interested to participate in some deeper way into the story of the walk of Jesus to the crucifixion. I think art is one, and maybe this is uh, a piggybacks off of the Crossings art exhibit, but might give you a good chance to just uh, explicate a little bit on Imago in general and and art, because I, I think art is one of those things, as you said, John, throughout human history that really speaks to our souls as humanity, whether that's music or whether it's visual arts, in the sense that the history of humanity is summed up within, you know, these things. We, um, as I said before, you know, I'm, 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 I'm a historian, and we don't really know a lot of the cultures that existed in terms of the archaeological evidence, but in terms of the visuals, and in terms of some of the musical instruments that we have, I was even the other day looking at, at these 30,000-year-old cave paintings of horses in France. And you see just the, the beauty that you can see that someone has taken the time to uh, capture the, the power and the imagery of a horse running. Um, and how that, I mean, as Christians, there's a long history of, of art within Christianity. And I think that's kind of uh, wavered a little bit in maybe the last couple of, of centuries or decades. How does something like Imago, how are you working to kind of, maybe the word is recapture, and maybe that's uh, too, you know, uh, negative on the, the the Christian tradition as of late, but recapture and communicate that that beauty and power that, you know, we can see in the gospel message itself. I'm going to say something that's maybe a little oversimplified, but there's a sense in which um, words text takes things apart or fragments it a bit, whereas a, a picture gives you something whole. So I could tell you the story of Jesus and take 10 minutes to tell you that, or I could show you an image of the crucifixion or whatever it may be, and somehow you capture that whole in a brief moment. So there's something about art that that is able to communicate in this more holistic way, uh, which I think is terribly important. The other thing that art is able to do is to uh, to move the affections. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, it, 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 it's, it's an effective um, discipline that is, uh, we, we, we are moved emotionally often by a piece of music, by a poem, by a dance, uh, by, by, I mean, a visual art, whatever it may be. And that's hugely important for us. One of the risks, and it's certainly a risk in the kind of work folks do, uh, one of the risks in the, in the Christian community is we over-intellectualize the faith. Yeah. I say over. Of course, there is an intellectual component. There, there's, there has to. I mean, there is place for argument, but but there's also place for uh, for testimony, if you like, or for experience and and for communicating in this very creative, imaginative way. So I favor, um, if I may put it this way, an imaginative apologetic, mm. uh, one that one that takes the imagination seriously and what the imagination draws on. Two things, it seems to me. Is, is memory, and the second thing is possibility, so or hope. So, so imagination is able both to reach back and also to reach forward. Yeah. And I think imagination is all the more important right now because we are pushed to a kind of presentism. Just live in the now. Well, this is not a good idea. And, and I think the most profound uh, within the christian tradition the most profound expression of the importance of past and future is found in the lord's supper that some call the eucharist and what do we do there we remember we're called to remember so we need the imagination to reach back and remember and then we're also called to hope that all things will be made new one day and that's and jesus will return so we need the imagination to say the world as it is right now is not the final story. It's not the world as it ought to be. And so we look at possibilities. And that's those are imaginative leaps. And I think they're hugely important. And if we have a shriveled imagination, we'll, uh, we'll have a diminished faith, in my view. That's really good. I, I'm, I'm just... <laughs> I love that. No, uh, I, there's something you, something you said, imaginative apologetics. Is that, what, is that how you yeah. put it? Yeah, that's really well said. And um, that's actually something in AC that we've actually been trying to really convey and work on, right? We're, we're in the middle of working on a new video series. And as Andy and I and the team have been really like talking about it with the videographers and those sorts of things, one of the big things that we have been trying to make sure is very prevalent is this, let's let's be creative. Let's not just go straight to the meat of a subject, because sometimes that's what we do and, and it can be very talking head in, in the approach. Let's be creative. How can we use, and specifically what we're doing, how can we use nature to convey a, a message that is, you know, that is a, a very big message, but making it palpable, right? And and I think that's what art is supposed to do. And and I think that's what you touched on, making making messages palpable. Yes, sorry. I, what what I, I would say, and I, I hope this might be helpful, that that we are we are inclined to do things in a direct manner when art is indirect. Mm. So direct says, "Here it is." Indirect says, "Have a look at this." And how do you respond to that? And you're sort of looking, and then you go back and look again, or you listen and you listen again, or you it's a poem, and you say, "I've read this." Five times, and and you know, I never saw that before, or I've read it a hundred times, and I never saw that before. There's an indirectness about it, which keeps the door open to possibilities. Mm. Directness 
can often close the door to other possibilities. You either get what I just said or we're done. But indirectness says, no, 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 hold on a minute. But this is, this is what the scriptures are like, too. I mean, the parables. You know, do you get it the first time? Well, maybe not. Or the narratives that we read in Old and New Testament. Do we get it the first? Well, not maybe not. And the richness of, of the scriptures and indeed of good art is that you can return to it again and again and again and make new discoveries. So I think we've got to keep that portal open. And, and that allows for the work of the spirit as well. John, do you know the the testimony of Peter Hitchens? Have you ever heard that? Yeah, I, I, I know a little bit about it. Yeah. Yeah I, yeah, I I don't know it well, but uh, I, I'm aware of it. Yeah, yeah, it's very interesting. It made me think of it when you were talking because Peter Hitchens is the the brother of the famous atheist Christopher Hitchens, who the listener might know. Uh, there was sort of this um, uh, tongue in cheek phrase that you know there were these four horsemen of the new atheist apocalypse, included people like you know uh, Sam Harris, Daniel Dent, uh, and Christopher Dawkins, and Christopher Hitchens was uh, among this group and. Um, his brother, who is, if you listen to him talk, probably just as strong-headed. I mean, Christopher unfortunately passed away of cancer a few years ago. But when Peter Hitchens tells his story, he was actually viewing, um, I'm never sure exactly how to say his name, Roger v Van Der Weyden. Oh, uh, yeah, Roger, Roger Van Der Weyden. Yes, I know, I know the, the, uh, the, the Jesus coming down from the cross. It was actually um, the Last Judgment. He said he was seeing, he was viewing an art, art exhibit, and he stood before uh, Waden's painting of the Last Judgment. Um, Waden was a, uh, I believe it was fifteenth century Dutch painter. Probably. I think so. Yeah. And um, he was so moved, standing and viewing this picture of Christ at the center, and you know the saints around the throne and the the angels he was so moved by this that it actually was one of the main catalysts that pushed him despite you know his brother being this kind of bulldozer of atheism all throughout their lives pushed him into eventually accepting christianity and is now you know a very strong voice um i believe within the anglican church out in the uk for the faith and just the communication of that you know art like you said in this indirect way speaking to something that was communicated in his in his soul as to the the beauty and just the grandeur of the gospel message which wasn't i mean wasn't a you know it wasn't a sermon although of course sermons can do that it wasn't an, a lecture of course lectures can do that to me but it was this visual representation of who Christ was and this picture of you know John's apocalypse that really communicated that, that beauty and reverence to him, and eventually, it, it's very interesting. I mean, the the Catholic theologian Hans Urs von Balthasar has has argued that um, that that the appeal to the intellect has fallen short in 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 our twentieth century culture, and we need to, in terms of the transcendental transcendentals, uh, begin with beauty, not necessarily goodness and truth, but but begin with beauty. And, and this, I mean, the, the story you, you just gave, Wesley, and it's a very good story. Uh, there, there isn't argument there, at least not in any explicit way, but there's somehow the person is moved by what they see. And of course, what they bring to, to the image as well, which is hugely important. But I, I think that's a great example. I love that point of when you can just set up art in such a way that 
a person's perception of it is actually what adds to it. And I think that's what I love the most about art is, you know, if I've ever created a song or something or, or you look at a painting and someone asks you, hey, what do you, what do you think of when you hear this? What do you think of when you see this? Great art creates an opportunity for each person to experience it differently. And I think that's that's what's really that's what I, I I really love about this crossings exhibition is is the way that you're talking about you've you've used different art forms you've used different artists to convey portions of the of the gospel that we've all heard before in yep. basic written form but then you add the art component and it just draws something it engages different senses and that is just it's such a beautiful thing. Yeah, it, it, art, art, arts is, uh, I, I think, uh, something we, we, we need to emphasize a lot more or pay more attention to is maybe a better way to say it in, mm. in, the, in the faith communities. I agree. Uh, because it is the language of the culture. And yeah. it's a language that reaches the, the heart of, of, uh, of humanity. Yeah. Uh, mm. that's, that's hugely important. Yeah. So as we're, as we're sort of coming to a close, I'd be interested to know, how did, how did the, the art world start? for you, you know, the art and then was faith always there to some way along your journey? Did it just collide or, or was it something that was always in you? Yeah, it, it, well, it's a good question. I, I'd have to go way back in my history, but I, growing up, um, I, I, I didn't have any, not much art in my life. I mean, as, as a child and, and on into my teens, uh, some, of course, music is always present and uh, some visual art, but but I, um, I did, I did a, a European trip uh, in my early 20s or when I was about 20. And um, the way I describe it is that I, I found myself, I don't mean that in any psychological sense, but I, I showed up in art galleries and I thought, what am I doing here? And I in concert halls and I had some interest in uh, classical music before, but on that trip, I, I just... It, this was something ignited within me in terms of the visual arts, whether it's, uh, well, the, the art galleries, but also opera, music, drama. Uh, all of this is, is hugely significant and sort of spoke to my own sensibility. So I've always, I say always, since my, my late teens and early 20s, I've had an interest and, and a love for the arts and have cultivated it over many, many years. Very cool. As we're talking, uh, I, I was thinking, you know, uh, I, I want our listeners to understand what we're saying and, and not uh, hear us incorrectly. I, I think, you know, talking about art and talking about the communication of the gospel, I think, you know, that God uses the two hands of general revelation and specific revelation. Right. And so I hope <laughs> the listeners aren't hearing us saying that you shouldn't be specific in the gospel message. You know, Paul saying, no. how can they how can they know if they've not heard? I don't think any of us would say that that's what we're saying. I think when we're talking about something like art and indirect communication of truth, you know, God uses that general revelation of things like the artistic, the things like uh, nature and the beauty in the world. And I think that works as an introduction to uh, leading us to the specifics. It's pulling on that image of God in us and drawing on the essentials of, of who we are as human beings. And that gets us to ask the questions, the specific questions of who God is and how has that God manifested in himself. And I think, you know, through the history of Christianity, through the history of Judaism, through the history of art, that's what it's drawing on, that, that sense of, of beauty and wonder and longing. Um, there's this great painting. I can't remember where it is. I'm sure I have it listed somewhere. I've used it in, in a talk in the past uh, that was, uh, was much bigger 
And uh, in in the the twentieth century, they ended up actually uh, cutting off the top. It was a a picture of Final Judgment, and um, it was a picture of of John Revelator. You know, his hands lifted high. And in the name of kind of updating the picture, what they did is they cut four feet off the top. And what ended up happening was they ended up with a picture of John lifting his hands to nothing. And, and, and I, I use it in my talk on secularism to say, like, this is how I think we view uh, the world today is, you know, you have John the Revelator, he's lifting his hands up. It's this beautiful image. You have the congregation around the throne, um, but he's lifting his hands to nothing. And to no one. And in taking, you know, the top part of that, that throne of God off of the top of the painting, um, what it's done is it's kind of encompassed the secular age. But what we have within something that communicates that type of beauty is that we are lifting our hands towards something. And we can say there's nothing there, but actually uh, the, the four feet of the top of the picture has been cut off. And what art does, what music does, what, you know, these things do is they, they, push us to asking the questions, you know, who, where, what, and then looking for that revelation of, you know, the, the God-man who's manifested himself within the visual, within the world, stepping out of eternity and into humanity. That's a, that's a very good illustration. I mean, we, we, we ended up with a flattened world mm. where we no longer accept the transcendent and uh, that, that idea that we, we have the gestures, but no longer the, the significance of the gestures, as it were. The, and lifting up the hands, but the the top of the painting is gone. And and uh, there are many people who say that's exactly what's happened in the culture. Mm -hmm. uh, that the layered universe that has meaning has been flattened so that it, it's lost its meaning. One other thing I would say about art and about faith, in both cases, you're called to a posture of receptivity. Mm. That, that art calls you to be receptive. And, and then you dialogue with it in some way. And, and faith calls you to a posture of receptivity. So there's a sense in which art sets the stage, if you like, for you to be receptive and, and to receive what, what you might uh, learn from the, the artwork, but also from the spirit, uh, it, which, which is hugely important. Uh, I made an observation in, a, in, a, in a, an interview yesterday on 700 Club, or was that this morning? No, that was yesterday. Um, um, but the the first the first two the first instance of referring to people filled with the Holy Spirit in Scripture is in Exodus thirty four thirty five or is it thirty three thirty four? Anyway, Bezalel and Aholiab. After Moses came down from the mountain, he uh, instructed Bezalel and Aholiab to uh, to use all their artistic skills to decorate the temple. And and um, and and uh, these these people are referred to as being filled with the spirit, and mm. and I, it's very interesting that it's artists were the ones that are referred to as those filled with the spirit. I think there's mm. something deeply spiritual, spiritual in, in a broad sense, but also in in terms of the Holy Spirit going on in the world of the arts, even though a person may not have faith. There's something mm. about art that says the world as it is. Is not the world as it ought to be. Here's another possibility. Mm. It just came to mind. It's El Greco's The Vision of St. John. Oh. Uh, from the 17th century. It's in the Metropolitan Museum of Art. It's this beautiful painting. The, which? Metropolitan? Yes. In, in, in the Metropolitan New York? Yes. Yeah. Well, 
thank you so much, John, for for your time. This has been a, a great conversation, just talking about the arts, but also talking about about crossings. Uh, for our listeners who would like to maybe connect with you, or as you were saying, there is an online portion to to crossings that people will be able to view the the catalog. Uh, where would you direct our listeners? I would say you could go to crossingstoronto.com. Uh, that would be uh, that would be a good start, and you'll find out quite a, quite a bit about crossings there. Okay, so okay. Uh, that's 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 probably the place to begin. Perfect. Well, thank you so much again for your time. We appreciate you joining us on the AC podcast this morning. Pleasure to be with you both. Thank you. Thank you, listeners, so much for listening to the AC podcast. It is a Ministry of Apologetics Canada. Make sure to like and subscribe and interact with us online. If you have any questions, feel free to reach out to us at info at apologeticscanada.com. Until then, you know the drill. Love God, love people. Bye for now. <laughs>